1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's another edition of Jamie D and Big Newt. Here we are. Coming back to you in Bills Mafia. Not only do we love you, we're so happy that you're here with us with the NFL draft of 2021 version. Oh man, it's an exciting time to be a Bills fan because they're going into this draft without any specific needs. They're just going to make the roster deeper and better. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He is big Chris Newton What do you say, big man? What up, though? I'm excited, man. I'm glad
0: to see that we're going to get on task, man. We're about 48 hours out. Understand, listeners, what we go through, man. Um, We had technical difficulties yesterday. We recorded a whole hour, and uh, for some reason, the app didn't work, so we back at it again today on Tuesday, man. So we're 48 hours out. I got my second vaccine shot yesterday, and I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, no side effects, so I'm just getting ready for the draft, man. I'm I'm, I'm excited now.
1: No side effects. That is the key. And yeah, hey, man, we're chopping wood. We're getting her done. We're blocking and tackling. We are throwing together show number two in 12 hours. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way because I had fun the first time. Let's have fun the second time, shall we? Let's do it again. So what we're going to end up talking about is the players that we like. Maybe we like them in general. Maybe we specifically like them for the Buffalo Bills. But first, we have to talk about the NFL draft and how far it's come in our lifetimes from being something that didn't make it. On television at all. In fact, players occasionally wouldn't even know that they were drafted until days later back in the 1960s to being covered just by ESPN. And back in those days, they were doing it out of a really a, a like a boardroom or a, a meeting room in Madison Square Garden that had those low ceilings. And then they started inviting people in and there were the helmet phones that Sports Illustrated was given away, and I desperately wanted in my childhood. And now it is a spectacle that the entire football world is excited about. I know you love it.
0: You know I do, man. And I know a couple of weeks ago on a pod, when we were talking about starting to talk about the draft, it was like, meh. I don't really care what's going on. I'm still celebrating our 13-3 season. But now that it's upon us, I mean, the NFL has done a wonderful job in commercializing the NFL draft and essentially making the NFL a year-long thing. Okay, so you got the NFL draft now, and then a couple of weeks the NFL schedule going to come out, so that we're going to be talking about that, diving into that, and then you're going to have uh, off-season workouts, and then you want going to have preseason workouts, um, summer workouts and stuff, so it really goes year-round. But when you're talking about how far the NFL draft has changed, you're right, man. You know I love my Marvel references. For those of you all that watched uh, WandaVision or Disney+, Plus, man, they talked about the, uh, how television has evolved from the 50s, 60s, black and white to a color, to analog to digital. Now you got 4K, 8K, and 10K TV. And that's how the NFL ha- draft has grown over the years, man. And so kudos to the commissioners over the years, man, growing this sport. I mean, you go back to watching football games, first when it first started, it was probably about eight, 9,000 people at a little high school or college field. And now it's grown to yeah. 100,000 people. Stadiums and people was wearing hats and suits to games and, and smoking cigarettes and stuff. Now you can't do any of that. Everybody wearing jerseys and stuff. So it's really evolved.
1: Yeah, man. And I think one of the best things they ever did was turn the NFL draft into a road show, going from city to city and having the multiple locations. The NFL draft experience, where they have young people getting involved in games, and you know, you've got the whole the whole bit where they come out. From the green room and they they walk across the stage, but then at least a couple of years ago, they would then walk out in front of a massive crowd of people who would all be cheering and chanting their names. I know it was like that when they were in Nashville, home of the Tennessee Titans. And I I find it so much more watchable than I once did. But the thing that really brought it to where it is, and I think we need to give credit where it's due, is Mel Kuiper Jr., the guy sure. with the hair. Right. I mean, he turned draft analysis into his own cottage industry, and now there's so many people that that do that. They've made that a a year round, a, a year round. I don't want to say hobby, but job for themselves, and it's really led to its own sort of culture because the NFL draft is a subset of football media, and a fun one that that I I have a hard time following because there's so much to it and there's so many college players out there, but I mean here on the Buffalo Rumblings channel, just pay attention to the podcasts that are coming out. You have people like like Bruce Nolan and Anthony Marino. These people know so much. Dan Lavoy, another one. Scarecrow. They, their football knowledge is amazing. Their, their knowledge of college players just goes on and on. Do we credit Mel Kuyper and his draft cliches? You have to, man. Mel Kuyper
0: is the godfather of all this. He's been doing it from the beginning. Hats off to him. Um, he, he's been the person who really set the tone for guys like Todd Mache and things of that such. So I, it's kudos to him, man.
1: So speaking of draft cliches, We hear a ton of them this time of year, and over the weekend, I mean, they're just going to be bouncing them off of us like crazy because, I I don't know, we talked about it yesterday. How many hours of draft do you plan on watching this year? I plan on seeing the whole first round,
0: and then uh, I'll watch a lot of the Friday, the second and third round, and then Saturday I'm just too tied up with the kids and their activities, so I'll just have the notifications. And then kind of really dove off into it Sunday because that's kind of like my day off. So I'll really yeah. dive into it and see like who we got and then kind of look them up if I don't know much about them. Especially, I mean, I'm sure we're going to know about the first and second round guys, but third and down is going to be a little bit more research. So I'll do that so we can record our show for next week.
1: But one of my favorite parts is the cliches, as I mentioned. I, I love it when they talk about operating well within a phone booth now that one cracks me up because half of the viewers don't even know what a freaking phone booth is they haven't seen it because they're too damn young right so that one cracks me up what are some of your favorites
0: well you know in georgetown if you ever on georgetown campus if you go to McDonough gym they have a phone booth in the gym like a old phone booth with a bench oh yeah with the phone in there it's hilarious oh yeah I think I got – maybe if I find a picture, I'll post it. I'm sure I've taken a picture of it. Yeah. So, if I got it, I'll post it on our Twitter. But, yeah, I You love better
1: because that's noteworthy to see one of those.
0: I will look for it and uh, try to find it. I'll post it on Twitter for our listeners. Um, a couple I like, man, um, is one that J- my son, Jalen, enjoys his heavy hands. So heavy hands. when you have heavy hands, you can use that in football, football reference, or you can use that in boxing also. That means when you hit somebody, they move, you know, like cement hands, not to be confused with cement feet. Now you don't want cement feet. Okay, no. that, that means you can't move. Okay. But if you got heavy hands, you got cement hands. That means when you strike somebody, you see their head go back and they feel it. You can see it on tape. Okay. Uh, another one of my favorite ones is burp the baby. Do you know what burp the baby is? I do not. What is that? Burp the baby is when you throw, think about when you throw a ball, all right? When you throw the ball, you pat the ball, right?
1: Oh, to yeah, it. sometimes. To, well,
0: yeah, to secure it. Just look at almost anybody. Almost look at a kid, look at an NFL player. When they get ready to throw the ball, they pat it, okay? And so if you're petting the ball, that's letting the person know that you're about to let the ball go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So burping the baby is a real thing. If you pet the ball a lot, then that might not be a good thing. The ball might not come out when it's supposed to. So, But that's one of ah. my favorites, burp the baby.
1: Um, I, I, that one is, is new on me. How do you feel about guys getting around, as they say, garbage at their feet or trash around their feet or junk at their feet?
0: Oh, yeah. That's a real thing, man. That means you're able to navigate with people at your feet, man. Like, when somebody falls down, are you able to get over them? So, that's a real thing. You don't, you can't play football on the ground. You can't block anybody on the ground. You can't make a tack or a sack on the ground. So, if you're – especially maybe not as much in the NFL, but like college and high school and stuff, if you're on the ground a lot, that's a real thing. So, you need to be able to navigate through through garbage and trash.
1: Ah, I like that one. And you know, we're also gonna see things like high motor guy and strong locker room presence and straight line speed, and oh, a tweener. Oh, god, they're gonna talk about the tweeners. Yeah, yeah. That that almost has a, a that has a weird connotation. Tweener. Yeah. Which obviously means you're in between size. Right. Like usually they talk about those guys that are. A little bigger than a linebacker, a little smaller than a defensive end.
0: Exactly, or maybe a little bit bigger than a safety, but too small to play linebacker. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: No, I was just going to add. I like when they say "high motor guys," and you would think that if you're getting paid millions of dollars, that everybody would have a high motor. You know, but you would I, think you would think that, but it doesn't work like that. A lot of people. A lot of people don't really understand that some of these football players play football because they're just good at it. They could probably do without it and probably wouldn't want you. It would be more people than you would think that they wouldn't choose to play football, but knowing that they can't make a living like that doing anything else. And you you usually can see the guys who really loves playing football. All right. And they're just sports in period uh, sports in general. Like, J.J. White, like, I believe he would play for free. He's just a football guy. Um, mm-hmm. LeBron James, I think he yeah. would play basketball for free. You could just tell the way they approach the game, they how seriously they take it, uh, the money they put into their bodies and all this stuff, like, all that matters. So I think that 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 is a way to kind of describe a person where i think a lot of us as fans and listeners we would just assume that everybody would be a high motor guy
1: but they're not they're not you would you would think and you'll read that in scouting reports guys that they uh that they talk about going in the first round they'll say as one of their negatives not sure he loves the sport and if you don't love the sport you're probably not going to put in the extra time in the film room and the extra time in the gym And you're probably going to be on the trainer's table. And after the game plan is put in place on Thursday, you probably won't see the guy again until Sunday. And when you have somebody who loves being there, like a Josh Allen, for example, that rubs off on people, you know, they want to get behind that. But also those hardworking guys, it rubs them the wrong way when the dude is not showing up to the facility. Mm -hmm. So do you have any experience with that? Yes, of course,
0: man. Um, it's guys that play in Florida State, right, that would be mm-hmm. in my class and stuff, and, and they would get described as that, you know. And because when you go to Florida State, as, as, as the listeners know, I taught there for a few years before I moved to the D.C. area, and I had a lot of those guys in my class, right, and so – if you got a freshman all, or, or a guy that was an All-American in high school coming to Florida State, what's the odds of that guy wanting to run down on kickoff and get hit or on kickoff mm. return or do, you know, special teams? You know, we talked about that before. This guy has been a superstar since the age of seven. So now you're asking him to be a role player, right? Mm. So some people do it. Like, hey, and I, and I was that type of guy. I've talked about it. I, I switch positions every year because I wanted to be on the field. So Coach would describe me as a high-motor guy, I'm sure, where other guys is like, uh, it, I'm high-motor if everything's going my way. But once things really ain't going my way, then my motor kind of stops. And that's natural mm. with a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to give you an example of that. Josh Rosen. He was described coming out of college as a guy very talented, but we don't know how much he really likes football. Why? Because both his parents was like doctors and lawyers. He was like rich already. And now look at him. A couple of years later, three years later, that dude bounced around two or three different teams and on somebody's scout team. So that means a lot, man. When you got guys, I don't want to really talk about demographics of the league because I don't want to stereotype, but I'm sure the numbers will bear out that guys who don't have too much of a choice, they usually will probably succeed more than people who have options. All right. That makes sense. You know, and and, and and it's been examples of that throughout the NFL, like Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward at Florida State probably would have been a second, third round pick. But they didn't know if he was really wanting to play football or do he really want to play basketball? Do he want to kind of do both? Now, with Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, you're that type of talent. We'll take you in the first round and just deal with everything else later because you you're a superior talent.
1: Charlie, well, yeah, they they were just transcendent in, in their talent level, right? Right. So now, Charlie Ward, not so much,
0: right? Well, Charlie Ward would have been good, but I can't have my friend. I can't spend a second round pick on a franchise quarterback, and you don't know if you are going to leave and play basketball. And, no, and please, yeah. when I say these things, I am not knocking these people. Charlie Ward is a wonderful guy, wonderful role model, everything. I am just telling you what the scouts I am sure were thinking about at the time, back in 93, 94 when he came out. You know what I'm saying. Sure. So we, especially when you talk about the quarterback position, I need you to be all in, okay. I need you to be first in, last out. You know, and if you think you're gonna just come in at nine o'clock and leave at five, and, and try to play quarterback and be the franchise guy, it's gonna be difficult. All right. And
1: that's that's a grind too, because I mean, how many listeners? And and I'm you know, speaking personally here. But also asking how many listeners are every single day the first person in their office and the last person to leave their office? I am never the first person in. Ever. Sometimes I'm the last one out, but I, I'm not really a morning person. I don't get there at five forty-five, six AM like some of my colleagues do.
0: Right. And that's important, man. I mean, some people have to do that. You know, once again, yeah. I was I was that type of player. I have no problem. I were I wasn't as talented as some that we brought in, but I was gonna work the hardest. I was gonna do all the right things, go to class and be the role model, and uh that's why I feel like I had a successful career in college. And another person I wanted to say real quick, it just came to me. My role was probably like that. Okay, he was at Florida State when I was down there. My role was a Rhodes Scholar, very smart. Now, he's a a well-renowned doctor now, but they took him – he was an All-American coming out of high school. He played a few years in the league, but he wanted to, you know, kind of be, you know, go on and be a a doctor. So, people kind of questioned, okay, does he really love football? And somebody who's that bright, he has options. And so – when you heard people talk about him back in the day, like when we were down in Florida State, everyone knew that his NFL career wasn't going to be that long. Okay, and that mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a perfect example. That's why I was thinking about when you said, "Give me an example." And he, once again, he's a great guy, one of the brightest people I've ever talked to. Very well defined, well polished, good. Helen short came from a wonderful family, but how you gonna tell a guy who's a neurosurgeon? <laughs> to go down and run down and break up a wedge on a kickoff, like you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> right. so that's why we knew everyone knew we. Everyone talked about it when he came out. That's the that's the perfect example of if you have options, and I'm sure that's kind of like Josh Rosen. And once again, this ain't no knock on these people. Josh Rosen should not be ashamed of his background or where he's from or anything. But when you're asking people to do stuff like. To play in the NFL, you have to be a unique and special individual. Your body's going to get broken up. You see right now all the CTE stuff, the brain damage, the uh, brain turning your body, the years that probably take off of your life. You're doing mm-hmm. that to provide for your – to have generational wealth and provide for your family in a way that most people – and when I say most, I mean probably 90% of people, you're not going to make millions of dollars, okay, unless you play sports. If not, then you are gonna to have to get a regular job, live a regular life, and that's fine. We live regular lives, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what you gotta look at, man. When you have options, then it it makes it kind of difficult to succeed. Not all the time, but just most of the time.
1: I have a regular life. You have a sugar mama.
0: Oh my goodness! Stop.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: stop it! You've done very well for yourself. Your wife is wonderful. I love her to death.
1: Oh, I. I would agree with that. Also, uh, she makes more money than me, so maybe she's my sugar mama. Hey, exactly. Hey, so I don't know
0: what <laughs> you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so let's talk about some of the players that we like in this year's draft. One of my absolute favorite players in this year's draft He is a tweener. He's about the size of a big safety, but he plays linebacker, and he plays linebacker incredibly physically. He plays in the opponent's backfield with regularity. He's tipping the scales at about 220 pounds, but one of your boys from Notre Dame, he's a gold domer. It is Jeremiah Owasu koromora you know that name, do oh, you? Oh, man. I watched every game of his, man.
0: And it just makes my heart warm to say that you would like this guy, even though we probably both know he's going to be off the board before uh, we get to He's the Buckets Award winner in 2020, unanimous All-American, one of our all-time greats. He came into Notre Dame in 2017 as a uh, three-star player, red-shirted, worked his way up. And his final couple of years, man, in the program, he had a great impact. Uh helped lead our defense to one of the best in the nation and uh had a wonderful year, man. Uh one of the best defensive players that come through Notre Dame. So I he's the epitome of a tweener. I mean, if you really if you look up his scouting report, some people say he could play inside, outside, he could rush the passer. But it's, uh, he could play nickel. He's ath- he's athletic enough to maybe play some safety in nickel. So he's the epitome of what you're saying, a uh, tweener. But it's a fine line of saying uh, calling somebody a tweener and calling a versatile. Uh, you can almost yes. line him up anywhere. So um, And if you look up on YouTube, I know you probably didn't watch much college football as much as me as far as Notre Dame. No. But the play – of the year this year was probably when he stripped one of my guys who I want in the draft, mm-hmm. uh, Travis ATM. When we uh, well, – I'm sorry about saying we. You, uh, Listeners, when we talk Notre Dame, Buffalo Bills, St. Louis Cardinals, Washington Wizards, uh, Michigan basketball, I refer to it as we, so you got to forgive me. Um, But, yeah, when we played Clemson um, at Notre Dame Stadium this year, and went to double overtime and got the upset win – the play of the game is when uh, Jeremiah stripped Travis ATN. It was a sweet play to Travis. He, as soon as he caught it, Jeremiah was on him. He stripped it and returned it about 30 yards for a pivotal touchdown in that game.
1: And outran a t n who has 4.44 speed. Yes, yes. So that Fast. Was, oh, yeah. So um, I would
0: love to have him. Long story short, I would love to have that guy, but unless we move up, I don't think we're going to get it. So that leads to my favorite guy in the draft, I guess. And um, yesterday, uh, Todd McShay tweeted out that he heard rumblings that we were going to move up to take Travis ATN. Now, you might be like, listeners, if you listen to us biweekly, you might be like, big Newt, But you said you don't want to move up. And you said none of these guys are going to make the team. But I'm going by what I want versus the rumblings that we're hearing. And also, this is a, a fluid situation. Because if we don't get um, Tremaine Atman signed, we're going to need a linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? And so we're going to talk about the whole cap thing. When we uh, sign Josh Allen, everyone wants to get Josh Allen signed. Alright? We do that, that's going to tie up a lot of money. So what happens when you tie up a lot of money? We're going to need cheap labor. So now, I'm on board with uh, maybe perhaps moving back in the draft um, and then securing more picks because we're going to need cheap labor, maybe not as much this year, but definitely next year. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm on board with that plan. Once again, I'm not in the room with McBean. So we're just guessing what they're going to be thinking, but that's what I'm going to be looking for uh this weekend. Are we going to try to move up? All right. Are we going to try to move up trying to get, uh, lessen our picks and try to get better players to make the roster or we're going to try to secure more picks and all these guys that's on one-year contracts they're going to move on from the program that's what i want to see
1: it's interesting because this would typically be a perfect year for the bills to move back in the draft and try to try to accumulate more picks to get that cheap labor because number one the salary cap is a big issue um but number two it really Uh, it increases your margin of error when you have more picks because you have more opportunities to get it right. And as I said, normally that would be something you want to do. However, this year, the, the pool of talent is thinner than it typically is. In fact, only one third the number of players that typically sign with an agent have signed with an agent this year. So that means everybody is waiting out they they're waiting until next year if they um you know if they set out this season for covid reasons the NFL or I'm sorry the NCAA is going to reinstate their eligibility for next year they're they're allowing players to transfer without penalty they're really making it easy on really easy on the players to go back for another season. And a lot of them are going to benefit from that. But what you're going to see as a result is next year is going to be one of the deepest drafts we have ever seen. It might not be, might not be the most talented at the top, but all the way through round number seven, you're going to be finding good players next year. So I ask if the bills should be trading back with, uh, with an intention of, picking up picks next year. I
0: can see that. Like I said, I mean, cause you got to understand with this COVID year and a lot of kids getting another year of ball, both NCAA, wide basketball, all sports this year doesn't count on their four year play. Okay. So guys is going to return from that. You got to realize these scouts are at the games because of COVID. Um, as far as meeting the guys, the tra- the draft process was totally different this year. I think it's going to be a lot of mistakes. I think it's going to be guys that's going to be better than what people thought they would be. And I think yep. it's going to be guys that were uh, slated to be good and not as good because you don't know enough about them like you would in a normal year. So if there's going to be a lot of mistakes, then I give you that. Then if you're going to make more mistakes, I want more picks. To so make up for those mistakes, because if you have, if we move up in the draft, let's say if we move up, like Ty McShay said, Ty uh, McShea says, and take Travis ATN and lose one of our picks, we only got seven of them, right? Or six. And so if we move up in the first round and give up our fifth round pick, okay, then that's less picks for us to have. And it now that first round pick you gotta hit because now it's doubly mm-hmm. bad if we don't if we have less picks. The more picks we have, the more mistakes we we can make and still be able to make up for it. Um so if you got somebody that's sitting there like Travis Atien, we're talking about the running back position because everybody says that we can improve on Singletary and Moss, all right if you got a guy that's like Travis ATN and Najee Harris, who now they're talking about, going to go in the teens or maybe early twenties there. Okay. If you could get one of those guys and you can guarantee me that these are going to be difference makers. Cause they both catch the ball well out the backfield. Uh, they're both versatile. They're both fast guys. Okay. And can be receiving threats. Then I'm like, go for it. All right. Um, but the ninth, third dude that uh, last week people have been talking about is Javante uh, Williams from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. all right, Running back. Running back. All right. So if you look at the Grays, he's right behind 18 and Harris. All right. So now they're talking about him going up in the first round. Okay. But those are the three bell cows of the draft. So if you can get one of those guys and guarantee me that they're going to be better than Singletary and Moss, then
1: I'm all for it. The downside of trading up is what you would have to give up. And like I said, I'm dead set against giving up next year's picks because I want all of those. But if the Bills were to package their first, second, and third round picks this season, according to the draft value chart, that would only get them up to about pick 22. So a first plus a fifth is probably not enough to move up At all, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But trading on the back end, maybe trading back into the fourth round or trading up in the third round, something like that. You know, maybe we're looking at something that the Bills could end up doing because they might be looking at the draft saying, hey, six, seventh round picks, they're not going to make our team anyway. But talking about the running backs, I know it's become a, a popular thing to discuss. And one of the things that they've mentioned is wanting a home run hitter somebody who can score from anywhere on the field. And ATN has pretty good speed, but not transcendent speed. I am of the belief that what the Bills really need to do is improve their run blocking. And if they improve their run blocking, they're going to improve the running game more so than drafting any specific back because I think the guys they have are okay. I especially think Zach Moss is going to turn into a good running back. So that leads me to one of my other absolute favorite players in the draft. It's Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. I know the Bills aren't going to have the opportunity to pick this guy unless things kind of shake out very strangely, but he is a a tackle who is about the most violent offensive lineman I have ever seen. He makes it his personal mission to absolutely bury whoever it is that he's blocking. And he plays right up to, and even a little after the whistle, just to make sure that the guy he's blocking understands who's boss by the end of it. In addition to that, he's got this great hand chop move where he doesn't let defenders get their hands on him. He's so athletic. He's huge. He's standing at about six six. weighs in, I, I think it's around 330. Maybe they could use him at guard. Maybe eventually they could move him to right tackle, which is his natural position uh, after Darrell Williams gets through his first year in, uh, of his new contract. But man, I absolutely love this guy. And if he ended up being there at number 30, he's a guy, I would say draft him above anyone else.
0: I can see that. And there's been a lot of buzz about him. Got great size, versatility, and maybe you could kick him inside. Um And that's what you need. What I would pick is, once again, going back to Notre Dame, Liam Eichenberg, okay, Ah. offensive tackle, six, six and a half, three hundred and ten 310 pounds. And he hasn't given up a sack in two years. His last two years of playing for us, enough said. I want somebody who's going to protect my boy and my asset and Josh Allen, who we're about to give a lot of money to. Um, He doesn't get beat. He's the best athlete. Um, but I will vouch for him. I would love to get that guy and I think he'll be sitting there. And maybe you know, and also he'll probably be sitting there if we moved back. If somebody wants to jump to number thirty and we could pick another uh and get another draft pick involved and move back a few, I think he'll still be there.
1: I, I think that's true. I think you can get a couple extra picks out of it and, and still get him. And I love the scouting report on him, which is he doesn't do anything great. He's just good at literally everything and you're gonna be able to start him right away because he's not he's not going to be a liability. He's not the most athletic. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. But he's big enough, strong enough, fast enough, quick enough, smart enough. He just he does it all well. And he's, you know he's, he's a, a three year starter.
0: He's a he's a foot see that goes back to one of our uh sayings. He's a football player. You know, yep. so a lot of some guys don't test well, and they don't, you. But he shows up on Saturdays,
1: and he's a football player. He'll be a right tackle in the NFL, which is fine because Buffalo's got the snowman at left tackle, and he's going to be there for years. So Eichenberg, I I think would be a great pick. Mm-hmm. But also, we we have to address the fact that there are a number of very good corners in this year's draft, and I I think that. It goes without saying that with the number 30 pick, Buffalo could very easily land a, a starting CB2. And everybody's eyes seem to be on Greg Newsome II right now. And the reason for that is he's not in the same class as Patrick Sertan II or J.C. Horn, but he's very scheme versatile much more so than the other corners at the top of this draft. He's a guy who actually has played off-man and has played zone and has excelled in it. And I think that if he is there at number 30, the Bills will not walk but sprint to the podium or the phone call, however they're doing it this year, (laughs) to to get that in. Because CB2, I think that if the Bills could get a real – athletic player out there or somebody with ball skills or somebody with size, it would be a huge benefit because I don't hate Levi Wallace. I think he's good. I just don't think he's great. And, you know, Greg newsom he's bigger, he's more solidly built, and he's more athletic. I'd love to see him in the Bills uni.
0: Well, why do you think he's so versatile and smart? Because he went to Northwestern. That's all they produce up there in the Big Ten. That's the (laughs) Ivy League of the Big Ten. I totally agree with you, man. Uh, Greg Newsome, 6'1", 190 pounds, good size. The kid... He's from Chicago area and you know they produce tough kids coming out of the Midwest. So I will be all for that. He's he's starting to rise the last couple of weeks. We've been hearing rumblings right. about it. I agree with you. If he's on the board there, I can see Buffalo taking him. And with his size and instincts and his versatility, I think he'll be a pug and play. You can put him in there and then I you'll put him at the second corner. And uh and yeah, I think we'll be rocking and rolling. So I like him. Um, once again, I feel like J.C. Horn, if he's on the board, yeah. I would love to have him. Um, Asante Samuels is starting to slip a little bit the last couple of weeks. He went right. from being, you know, one of the top three to now he's more five or six. Caleb um, Farley from Virginia Tech, um, he's mm-hmm. starting to slip because we're hearing that he has back is- uh, issues with all those guys. I mean, they might – they're trying to say Farley is in that group with him, but if he's damaged goods, I think I'll go with more of the short thing. So I'm all with you, man. If J.C. Horn's there, obviously take him, but Newsom is more realistic at being there at number 30. I'll be so all
1: w- what do you do with the guys that have the injury asterisks next to them? Like Caleb Fairley, who would be probably a top 10 pick if he didn't have his back problems. And you've got Landon Dickerson, the The offensive lineman coming out of Alabama, who everybody's saying would be a a high selection if it wasn't for him having his ACL injuries and stuff like that. What do you do? What, like, do you roll the dice on them? Do you find the medicals? Is this the kind of year where because you don't have the medical exams, you push them down later in the draft? Do you take them off of your board completely? I, I don't know what what would you do with well, players like that. Well, what what you do is
0: you better have a good training staff, and you do your. Re- it's called one word is research. Okay, you have to be sure if you're investing a first round pick, you better know that. Okay, if you have a bad knee, you got a. Bad, plus, you talk about a back. Now, if this is a yep. leg injury, I feel better. But a back, and you're a corner, like you got to do your research and you got to have a good medical staff. Okay. And if you don't mm-hmm. then that's where mistakes happen. So you got to feel good, um, about him and knowing that this is something that, Hey, you know, is going to be okay. Uh, going to basketball. Once again, I'm a big wizards fan, Brad bill, his first couple of years had a lot of leg injuries. Okay. That's simply because, and it's cause I, I know Brad personally, but, um, he's from St. Louis. Um, he comes from a family of football players. If you look at his picture, all everybody in his family are big people. All right? And if you look at his body structure, he has huge legs. But he's not a big guy. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so when he first came in the league, he only played one year in Florida. And once he came in the league, he had this first couple of years, he had a lot of leg injuries okay mm-hmm. and i think and i i i mean i'm not a doctor at all i just always thought that he had trunk issues because his legs probably don't fit his body like he like literally his whole family is like linemen okay they played college football all his brothers he's five of them all his brothers played college football and they i believe they were all linemen they're all big guys and he's like the smaller guy but he got these huge legs so anyway long story short he had a lot of leg injuries coming to the year and so, I mean, first two years of the league. And so people were kind of like, oh, is he damn good? He was the number three pick of the draft. Is he damaged goods. And since then, he really hasn't had any injuries. So you got to know if you're spending this kind of uh, draft pick on him and giving this kind of money, that this is something that
1: he can heal from and have a productive career. Another one who fits into that category that I didn't mention is Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher out of Miami who has had uh, multiple concussion problems. He's also had major wrist surgery where they actually removed bones from his wrist. He's had two serious concussions. I mean, I guess all concussions are serious, but he's another one that is a blue chip prospect that is pushed down the draft board because people don't know how his medicals are going to work out. So, one of the things that I think teams are doing is they're trying to mitigate risk in the draft always. You know, you want a player with high upside, but you also want them to have a high floor. You and part of that floor is whether or not they're actually going to be able to be out on the field. Now, are they going to be out, you know, they're going to miss time because they have injuries or because they're a behavioral issue, like Lawrence Phillips back in the day, he couldn't stay on the field because he was constantly suspended. Um, these are things that journal managers are taking a look at, uh, all across the board. And, you know, that starts, that starts pretty young. You know, there's, there's top athletes that are being looked at by, you know, the best BCS schools, but they're getting passed on because they can't stay out of trouble or they they've had the bad injuries. You, you saw it just recently with the Buffalo Bills' Trey Adams retiring after one season on the practice squad because his body is given out with all the injuries that he had through college. It's an important thing to take a look at. And I know here's another cliche. The most important ability, finish it for me. Is availability. Yep. If a player's not on the field, Sammy Watkins, how good could he have been if he could have stayed on the field?
0: Yep. Yep. Can't win a championship from the training room. Can't win a championship from the ice bath. So you got to be able to be out there and uh, help your team uh, and contribute. Hey, the ice bath. Have you ever done that? Oh God, yes. Uh, ever since high school, and,
1: and my kids go through it now. <laughs> I hate cold. I hate cold. I also don't like getting wet. Don't you find that when you hop in those ice baths? Now, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just a big trough. Of ice water yes. that you get in after a hard practice or a game. And it's basically to ice down your entire body to reduce swelling and help you recover faster. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Don't your guys run and hide when you jump in there? <laughs> do
0: you have shrinkage? Is that what you're asking me? That's what I'm asking. Yes, and do, and how long does
1: preach. it take before they come out and say hello again? <laughs> I've never timed
0: it, but yes, you do, you would have <laughs> shrinkage. Okay. Hey man, I got kids listening to our pie, man.
1: Okay. Well, I understand, but Jalen understands. Oh,
0: yes, he do. He does, man. He goes through it now, man. So uh, but yeah, it helps the lactic acid not to build up. It helps with swelling and soreness. So um I think after a while, though, after you do it, you just get used to it. It is, oh, like okay. I know in your mind, it's like oh my god, it's the worst. But once you do it, in your it's it's a more of a mental thing. And so once you do it often, it's not as bad, and you actually look forward to it because you you feel so much better after getting out.
1: Really? Oh yeah. oh yeah. Well, they say that you know people who study this stuff say extreme changes of temperature actually increase your lifespan. So, maybe it's something we should be doing every day. Maybe we should all join the Polar Bear Club.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. So, we have those guys, um, defensive end, edge rusher, uh, Jason Owe from Penn State. Uh, A lot of people got us looking at Joe Tyron from uh, Washington. Both those guys have first-round grades after your boy you mentioned from Miami. If those guys, they're an edge rusher, I wouldn't be mad at any of those. I'm a little hesitant that Jason O.A. come from Penn State. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The worst draft pick the last 20 years, in my opinion, is uh, Aaron Mabin from Penn State. And Aaron Mabin oh. actually made plays at Penn State. This guy is supposed to be a first-round pick, and uh, he has a size, length, athletic ability, but he didn't have any of the stats that uh, Maybin had. And literally, I don't think he had a sack this year but they, right. they, they believe well, in the potential. Well, you know, the,
1: the difference there is Maben played at about 215 pounds, and this guy is actually... He, uh, here's a draft day cliche. He passes the eye test. He's 6'5", 260. You know, he, he's got 34-inch arms. He has every measurable you would want. But they also talk about that guy having attitude problems. So does does that look like a process guy, a guy who doesn't quite make plays and... Who you know? They wonder if he really likes playing football. Um, there's another guy similar to that. Quitty Pay has all the measurables, but you know he's a guy that is always a step late. Uh, according to his scouting report, you know he's a guy that's six two and a half, a, another two hundred sixty pounder. Um, but like I said, a step short. I, I read one scout who was anonymous saying, "Just make a damn play." is what he thinks the entire time he watches pay. Um, I heard another scout say that this is the worst defensive line draft he has ever seen in his 20 years of scouting. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that scares me a little bit. Um, Aziz Olujari, not to be confused with Ansari. Um, he's a guy who people are wondering if he can play defensive end or if he's more of a stand-up 4-3 outside linebacker. As we get closer to the draft, he seems like a guy who people are paying more attention to, and they're actually speaking more positively about that guy. So he could be a possibility at the end of the first round, or he could be a guy taken in the mid-teens. You just don't really know. Now, Getting off the players for a second, uh, and and I apologize for doing this to you again, but we talk about players that are rising and falling day or two before the draft. What do you think is behind that? Is that because we are finding out more insider information about what the teams think? Or are the media-based evaluators, the talking heads like us, just changing their minds on these people?
0: I think it's a little mixture of both. Um, I think in some of it could be posturing for teams. Uh, you think that oh, some things get out and some of the things could be true. Some of the things that the, uh, the programs or the organization want to get out and some of it is them posturing and doing fakes and not really wanting to show their hands. So I think a lot of that is involved. Um, unless you're able to actually talk to – like to me, if you can't go to a bar and have a drink with a scout – and you really get the reel on it, then we really don't know. And I know us as fans, we sit in the sports bars and we're going to watch the drive and text each other and Mel Kuyper and them are going to shoot down or uh, if they don't have a guy like, let's say Farley, was it going to top five? Well, I didn't have him in the top five. He, went, he should have been number 30. And then the guy's going to... Famously say, remember the GM was like, Well, what does Mel Carper know? He never ran a yeah. team, he never played football. And but that's all we know because that's what we've been conditioned to hearing the last couple of weeks. So now with this new inf- information coming in, it's like, Wow, this ain't what we heard. So I think it's a answer your question. I'm sorry, but to answer your question, I just think it's a mixture of a of uh, multiple things when you hear new information come out. Some could be new research, like we brought the guy in and we find our new information, you know? So I think this is a mixture of a few factors.
1: Hey, I guess that makes sense. Um, you know, here's the thing, speaking of information coming out, and, of course, Buddy Nicks was the one who said it's lion season. Um, the Buffalo Bills – don't leak information. They are locked up tighter than a drum. Like You you never hear about anything that they're going to do before they do it. So when people like McShay are saying they're hearing that the Bills are going to trade up for a running back, if indeed they did hear that information coming out of the Buffalo Bills front office, what is the likelihood that that is accurate information?
0: Right, I totally agree, man. Um, is uh, as tight as Brandon Bean seems. I don't. I don't think it could be true. I, I, I. But I don't know. I guess we'll find out forty eight hours from now. I just. I don't think that would be true. I just think that that's clickbait. Uh, Bills mafia. I mean, is big, so we want to hear things. So I. I think that's clear. Clickbait, in my opinion.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think the other thing people need to pay attention to is if talent evaluators and the draft Knicks out there came out with a a mock draft in December and was so committed to their draft positioning that it never changed between December and April, people would stop reading it.
0: What content so would they have, have exactly. to
1: purposefully give you bad ideas and the wrong players early in the early going, so you have a reason to come back and take a look at it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: I wish I got paid for being wrong. <laughs> um
0: and yeah, and and before we wrap up, man, uh a guy that I like, a good locker room guy, leader, a guy with a gut A guy that didn't go to a Power 5 D1 school that I would love for Buffalo to pick up maybe on uh, Friday in the second or third round is Quinn Marines. He's from uh,
1: Ah,
0: Wisconsin Whitewater, D3. Okay, he uh, plays guard, but he can play center. And if you listen, if you do anything, do yourself a favor and listen to Big New. Go to YouTube and watch this dude work out. He goes to, like, Canada and works out in the woods, dude. He has no shirt on. His gut, he looks like me right now, okay, gut hanging, you know, guns blazing. I love this guy, man. I love him. I would love to get this guy in the second, third round. Um, He has, like, a third-round grade. If we could get him, he'll be a good locker room guy and a guy that I could see
1: help our program. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, his last name is spelled M E I N E R Z. Wisconsin Whitewater. You like those small school guys, don't you?
0: Hey, you gotta represent for the small schools.
1: Ah, Missouri Western State. Yep. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Thank you. All right. And and what's the what's the school nickname there at your alma mater? The Griffins. We're the Fighting Griffins. Fighting Griffins. Uh, what what is a uh, what is a griffin other than the family from Family Guy?
0: It is a mythological creature. It's the mixture of a lion and an eagle.
1: Ooh, that sounds formidable.
0: Yep.
1: So anyway, it's been a lot of fun talking draft with you, buddy. As
0: always, and I'm looking forward. We'll be back to you and you all's ears next week. You won't have to wait two weeks to hear us. We're gonna give you content. We're going to give it to you fresh off the wire post-draft next Monday. It'll be uh, on the airways on Wednesday. Real quick, let's take a shout-out. Um, three years ago yesterday, Buffalo Bills drafted Josh Allen and Jermaine Edwin, Edmonds. Um, at the time, we didn't like it, but it transformed uh, the future of our franchise, man. So shout-out three years ago. Take a shot.
1: I I think that is definitely a topic that we have to discuss in the next podcast because we had some emotions three years ago.
0: (laughs) Yes, we did, man.
1: Oh, man. So if you want to get in on the conversation, get a hold of me at the Jamie D'Amico and him at... Big underscore Newt. We we want to continue this conversation on Twitter, on Buffalo Rumblings. Pay attention to the Buffalo Rumblings podcasts that are coming out this week because they have some great interviews coming and some absolutely incredible analysis. I am going to go as far as to say this is now the best week for Buffalo Rumblings podcasts in the history of Buffalo Rumblings podcasts. Make sure you listen to all of them. Please do. A lot of good content
0: out there. I was just agreeing with you. A lot of good content. And uh, also, last um, podcast, we're losing people in the rap game. We lost Black Rob from uh, Woe, and then Shock G of Digital Underground, man. We lost them last week, along with DMX a couple of weeks ago. So, RIP to some of the rap greats, man. They're falling off, man. Rest easy.
1: In the meantime... Give us a song, buddy. Hey, hey, hey.